Hannah Stroman is a senior lecturer in biblical studies at the University of Chichester in the UK. Her research interests lie in biblical reception history and critical theory. Before she came to Chichester, she completed her PhD at the University of Glasgow with a year as a visiting scholar at the University of Kent. She's published on the role of the Bible in animal studies in 20th century literature, and most recently on uses of the Bible by the contemporary far right. And I had the chance to speak with her about her current project on biblical violence in the far right and how that relates to the broader question of religion and violence. But just to start, Hannah, why don't you just tell me about your own project here that you've been working on at CTI? Okay, so the title of my project here at CTI has been Biblical Violence in the Far Right, um, which has deliberately been quite a broad title um, in order to encompass a discussion of um, different trends in the far right in European parties and movements. But the project itself has very much arisen from a specific case, uh, namely the case of um, 22nd of July uh, 2011 in Norway, when Anders Bering Breivik killed 77 people and injured uh, many more uh, in, in an attack which was inspired by far right ideologies. He'd mostly kind of picked up uh, online and from various uh, far right figures across Europe and, and the US. Uh, and he was targeting specifically um, the Norwegian Labour Party and the government, um, the party in, in government at the time and its youth uh, movement. Uh, and that was because he saw them, uh, the way he had justified that violence towards uh, towards them was um, as uh, that, that they were part of a sort of conspiracy that is much wider in Europe to turn Europe into an Islamic colony, um, which is a kind of part of a conspiracy theories that you find across the far right mm. in Europe. Mm. So my interest has been in, in the ro the role of the Bible in that, and that that I try to situate that in 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 broader trends uh, that you see across the far right in Europe, um, which very much has to do with um, increasingly Islam has become the enemy for the far right, um, and this idea of Islamization. The idea that uh, Islam is not so much a religion as a, as a sort of political force which is taking over Europe and destroying European culture, and the way Christianity gets mobilized as a force against uh, Islam to sort of found Europe and Europe's identity and essence. So it connects with these debates about, of course, migration and the movement of peoples, Muslims moving into Europe, I suppose, and so it interacts with all these kind of controversies or debates yeah, absolutely debates. absolutely I mean when in the sort of literature on 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 the kind of rise of the far right um, often sort of dates it back to um, end of Cold War sort of in, in, in the 80s till now and, and you do see changes across then but more and more immigration is is brought up as a kind of key um, problem for these far right parties and movements as well as kind of globalization and so in what ways does Breivik use the Bible in, in his manifesto that was published online? I mean, so his manifesto is, is a sort of cobbled together, huge text cobbled together from all sorts of different sources and texts. Um, and draws on, so it draws on all sorts of different material, uh, which is, is kind of influential in, in far-right circles. And, and the Bible comes in um, primar primarily to kind of justify violence. 
uh, as well that's that's the kind of perhaps the primary way it comes up in the manifesto but it also then comes up um, and what you also then find in the sources using it comes up as a kind of um, source for Europe, European identity uh, and or Western civilization. And sometimes it's talked about the West, sometimes Europe. But but that's why I'm I'm interested in 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 kind of doing this work here at CTI on religion and violence because with Breivik you have an extreme case and where the Bible is used. Um, to, to kind of imagine the idea of God on the side of these uh, counter-jihadists, which is some of the language which is used, a sort of uh, militant battle against uh, Islam. And, and Bramik saw himself kind of as as part of that sort of uh, battle. And that language is very much part of the, the manifesto, as well as some of the uh, sources he draws on. Um, but it's it's also um, to kind of look at the way in which even some of the figures and sources he cites that certainly would not condone violence, their kind of understanding of the Bible as a kind of counterforce to Islam and, and, and Europe as um, a kind of a completely different thing to Islam, where Islam becomes the kind of so, impurifying force. So um, who are some of the ones he, he cites? Well, I mean... Um, Two of the figures who I have kind of looked at the most are, are kind of Robert Spencer, a, a you know, an American, um, self-identifies as, as Catholic, and he's published uh, literature, which is considered part of this kind of counter-jihad um, literature, and um, yeah, as a website, and he, he's very active uh, online. And then um, Bat Yor, who um, is a British kind of essayist, and she's also written a lot about the sort of Eurabia and counter-jihad and these so-called kind of theories. Um, Did Breivik, or does Breivik, I know he's still alive uh, in prison, but does he consider himself religious or Christian, or just is it more of a cultural? Uh, yeah, so this is this is kind of mm. sometimes comes up in some of the, the, the stuff that has been written about, about Breivik, and, and often it's sort of said, well, he's not really a Christian. Mm. And, and, and he's sort of both... Uh, says he is and says he isn't in the manifesto he kind of says i'm not really a christian i mean he clearly was not a churchgoer um i mean it would be hard to say whether he has kind of christian beliefs or not but but he he identifies as a cultural christian and and, and that again is not very original to him it's part of these uh, wider trends of talking about cultural christianity so 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 while i've been interested in this as a kind of the private case as a starting point and a very kind of violent and extreme uh example of of kind of far right in action i think that the, the the sort of the rhetoric that's behind it the ideology the discourse behind it is also very very violent and i think leads to violence i think in a way you know he, he's following a kind of logical outcome of what that language is, is all about calling for a war against islam a battle mart you know martyrdom that that language is part of it and how long I mean, before he turned to violence, did he publish this? Was it did he publish it online and then immediately, or was it did he have it up there for a few years before he committed his acts of violence? No, or? it was uh, uploaded online, sort of before, right before his, his, right his before. acts of violence. Yeah. Okay. So no one knew what he was. I mean, it wasn't like he was a kind of online troll already who was taking part in all these conversations or something. Um, no, I mean, he he um, he was sort of, you know, obviously he was looking at these, these different websites and he was part of uh, these various uh, 
um, kind of online networks. Um, and he was part of more mainstream politics, or was interested in more mainstream politics um, previous, previously in, in his life. Um, but no, he, he wasn't a sort of known entity, um, particularly. So, I mean, what's interesting is that he's sometimes thought of as a kind of lone wolf. But I mean, I think that's an incredibly misleading uh, category for someone like him. I mean, he certainly considered himself part of a, a network. Yeah. And in one of the ways um, white supremacists, uh, neo-Nazis, far-right kind of extremist work is precisely through a kind of strategy of lone wolf because it, it provides a kind of protection you know, you're not implicating others. You're not. It's it, they're harder to detect, and so this kind of idea of a kind of leaderless uh, resistance is actually strategically uh, useful if if you're trying to kind of, especially if you've got to the point where you don't think there's a place for your views in democratic politics, which is the extreme side of the far right. You obviously have far right parties who do participate in hmm. democratic politics. So tell me a bit about your own work kind of in the study of, of the Bible, the study of religion, and how, how you kind of intervene on this on this topic. Yeah, so I'm, I mean, I'm interested in, in biblical reception history and the Bible in the modern world. And um, I've been particularly interested in how, uh, how we understand and where we see the Bible in more unexpected places. So, so in some ways, in something like the far right, you, you don't read much in the academic literature about, about the role of the Bible. We're increasingly seeing kind of people discussing the way Christianity is being used, claims to Christianity, but uh, there's not much sort of in-depth um, engagement with some of the more specifically biblical themes and allusions. And I think that's partly because uh, obviously the people who are doing a lot of this work on the far right are in political sciences, social sciences, and, and because of my interest in the kind of continued impact and influence of, of the Bible in modernity, I, I think it's our, our role as biblical scholars also to look um, for where it's perhaps not entirely obvious. So, so that's why I think this idea of cultural Christianity is, is interesting. It doesn't fit with what biblical exegetes necessarily have been saying about what biblical texts mean or what theologians are saying Christianity is. Uh, it's a different kind of version of, of what Christianity is in the modern world, but I think it needs to be taken taken seriously. And some people might come come along and say, well, you know, he's not really reading the Bible or it's a misreading of the Bible, that that's all false or something like that. But you would want to trouble that and say it's not so simple. Um, say more about that. Yeah, so I mean, I in my work on this, I, I kind of talk about Bibles instead of the Bible. And part of my, my kind of point about that is... Um, you know, not only do you obviously have lots of different versions of Bibles in terms of different canons and um, different traditions uh, in terms of using uh, the Bible, the so-called Bible, uh, but you also have this kind of more um, informal canons or, or the way people actually use uh, Bibles. Uh, and that, that, that really varies in terms of where the emphasis is put, which texts you tend to read, how you understand them. And those trends in interpretation and use, um, I think that really needs to be mapped out. And what that shows, I think, is is, is different Bibles appearing. So you get people who, who claim the Bible says, you know, we should be pacifists, just as you get people saying the Bible says, you know, no, we should be um, terrorists or, or whatever, you know, oppressors. Um, mm -hmm. So, 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 so I think mapping out the different Bibles that that appear in different environments and at different times, and and why and the kind of why and the how, 
are really, really important. Uh, and th- and I think this is partly a kind of part of a, I suppose, a, what you could call a post-secular turn. Um, I mean, n- I don't mean that in the sense that uh, secularization processes haven't happened. Um, but, but, you know, religions, religiosity is certainly still still around, certainly still powerful. And so in which ways is, is that still happening? And in which ways do we still find Bibles? Absolutely. So one of the, I mean, the central question of our program here has been this question in general of religion and violence. So I'd be interested in, you know, given the, the very specific project you're working on, how you would how you would what you would say to that more broad question of religion and violence you know there's some people who might say you know i mean a general view and a fairly popular view is that religions cause violence you know a lot a vast majority of the violence in our world is created by religions other people as you say come along and say no religion is all about peace or pacifism um yeah where do you fall on that and and how do you see your work um maybe addressing that question yeah i mean i think it's a huge huge question and uh, a very interesting question and certainly won't won't go away i mean i don't work with a kind of preconceived notion of what religion is i think um we need to take seriously invocations of religion and and the uses of the term and category religion and from there we can kind of try and make sense of of the the, sh- the shifting uses the shifting understandings of religion so i I do think part of um uh, what's interesting now in terms of debates about say secularism and post-secularism is is precisely how we understand the category of religion now how that relates to violence is is again i think i i don't see how you could posit any kind of essential link or any straightforward causal link you know either way you know either kind of religion leads to violence or we have violence therefore we need religion and I think that both of those kind of views do, do, do dominate in many ways, um, a lot of debate. Rather, I think we just need to look at, well, where, where is religion leading to violence? Where is religion seen as a solution to violence? And, but also complicate that picture and actually say, there are all sorts of other factors that, that I mean, the causal question is, is very tricky. So, so for instance, in my work with, with on, on Breivik and the far right, it's, it's not that I think Breivik read the Bible and therefore decided he needed to, to be violent. You know, I, I don't think you can posit these causal connections in that simple way. Um, I, I think, you know, you, you need to look to sociology, you need to look to psychology, you need to look to the political situation. And, and um, I mean, there's interesting work done on, on trying to figure out why is there a kind of rise of the far right in Europe? You know, is this to do with a dissatisfaction with multiculturalism or globalization? Is it to do with economic, economic crisis, um, austerity? I mean, clearly, these are really complicated mm-hmm. questions. So but but I think religion and uh, religion and violence still I think sh- does need to be talked together as a couple, but I think as a sort of coupling that needs to be uh, complicated and right. problematized. Maybe just as a final question, I'd be interested, you know, if there's ways that since you arrived here at CTI back in August working on this project, or ways that you've kind of been influenced by colleagues here at CTI in the way you're approaching it and approaching your your book project. Yeah, I've been really influenced by colleagues here in in lots of different ways um so there's and i'm still kind of reflecting on this i mean colleagues here have helped me to um 
make more precise the sorts of things I'm looking for, um, try to narrow things down um, in different ways to, th to think more clearly. I mean, part of what I'm trying to do is, is think about why does the Bible become a kind of solution to a particular problem? So if the problem for the far right is, is Islam, why does the Bible become that solution? Uh, and I think in trying to clarify these sort of this this language of problem solu solutions colleagues here have been very uh, helpful in in thinking about those issues from different different vantage points and so for instance in 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 lisa's sociological work um where she talks about women's agency and to understand how women conceive their own agency we need to listen to how they account for their own religious beliefs and dispositions and worldviews uh, i mean i find that very interesting and useful and I think, you know, that sort of work, you know, ethnographic work with how people use the Bible and understand the Bible, biblical texts, that could be really helpful in a, in a sense that that has been very useful for my thinking. What has been kind of the response in Norway? Have you seen many things about people there reacting to how Breivik used the Bible or what the religious aspect of his writings meant or uh, I guess I'm just in general interested in, in what you how you think you know your own work might even be received in that country and uh, what the conversation has been like in the last say seven years since the, the massacre happened yeah so obviously it's received uh, a lot of attention in Norway in the media in terms of the the, the events of 22nd of July and, and the, the debates that followed that and Breivik's trial that was hugely central in the media and and um, there have been various publications in Norway which have kind of dealt with that. I mean, I haven't seen much, if any, discussion of the religious elements um, or the biblical elements. Um, but of course, you know, I don't live there, so I, I don't see the papers. I don't. I, I'm not entirely up to date with with all the debates that are going on there. I mean, I think one of the the big questions, and this has been a, a big question for me too, is 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 the question of responsibility and what we're doing as scholars in discussing someone like Breivik and and the problem of of potentially giving him a platform by by even talking about him or writing about him and I mean I struggle with this uh, myself and and partly that comes from you know his his own desire to give himself a platform and and, and the danger of playing into that by taking someone like him seriously and and I I've had very interesting discussions with, with colleagues here about that, and that's been very helpful, especially with someone like David, who's worked on very difficult topics of sexual violence, and how do you do work that is not irresponsible, also in, in relation to the, the victims of that sort of violence. And I, I try to address that in the work I do. Um, I, I try to address that in terms of why I think it is important, uh, and that I think has to do with, you know, it, I'm not writing a book about Breivik. I'm writing a book about how we understand um, those ideas in a much larger context um, and, and how we can kind of think about that and understand that better. Absolutely. Well, thanks for talking to me today. I think this was really interesting and I, they're really challenging topics. So I'm really, it's very impressive and to see people working through such challenging and difficult uh, even to discuss topics. So thanks. Thank To learn more about CTI, visit our website at ctinquiry.org and follow our pages on Facebook and Twitter. Subscribe to this podcast on iTunes and leave us a review.